Hello and welcome to the Anishinaabe History Podcast. I'm Chris Waite. Today we're talking about Elijah Harper. Harper was a Cree man who entered into politics in the late 1970s. He became a member of the Legislative Assembly and eventually made an important decision concerning the Meech Lake Accord in the 1980s, thereby upholding Aboriginal rights in Canada. But before all that, he was a baby born in 1949 on Red Sucker Lake First Nation in a log cabin 700 kilometers northeast of Winnipeg in what is now Manitoba. Red Sucker Lake First Nation is a member of Treaty Number 5. A sucker is a type of fish that has a mouth like an alien vacuum cleaner. They live in freshwater lakes and streams and are edible. There are many species of suckerfish. There are white suckers that are sometimes called the common sucker. And there are blue suckers which are endangered due to pollution and dams. There is also a variety called red horses because they have reddish fins. Throughout the Hudson Bay and Mississippi watersheds, indigenous peoples ate the different varieties of suckerfish. Without a doubt, the Cree culture and the Ojibwe culture are related cultures. Indeed, the parent language for both is Anishinaabe Moan, sometimes referred to as the Ojibwe language. Anishinaabe is part of a large language family. Cree is part of the Algonquian language family. Cheyenne is also part of the Algonquian language family. So Cree and Cheyenne are related languages. The Anishinaabe people relied on fish for sustenance and livelihoods. The importance of the animal is indicated by the cultural pattern of naming communities after it and other animals. Red Sucker Lake First Nation is just one example. Where my mom's family is from is called North Caribou Lake First Nation. There is another First Nation called Nibinamik, which translates into English as Summer Beaver. Likewise, there is a Gull Bay First Nation. The importance of living and wild animals to the Anishinaabe people cannot be understated. In fact, it is our symbiotic relationship with the non-human world that makes us Anishinaabe. In other words, we humans cannot live without plants, animals, water, and light. These are facts, not hippy-dippy flights of fancy. If the land and water and air and animals suffer, humans also suffer. Anishinaabe culture is not about taking from the land, but rather learning how to live symbiotically with it. Again, this is not hippy-dippy bullshit but predicated upon the realization that life in general is circular. Our human excesses impact the non-human environment, which does have a reciprocal impact on our human environments. Anthropogenic climate change is an example. The recognition of the impact humans can have on nature is understood by Anishinaabe people. That's why there are protests and demonstrations and roadblocks on treaty lands. The people are saying, developers can have the land already agreed to in the treaties. In order to develop on treaty land, however, you have to obey the law. But by sticking up for their rights under the laws written long ago and seldom talked about and even less taught in school, Aboriginal people are designated as agitators 
and obstacles to progress. I'm not against progress. I'm against the theft of land and resources couched in the dog-whistle politics of so-called nationalism. Which brings us to the Meech Lake Accord. In the late 1970s and early 1980s, there was separatist sentiment regarding Quebec as a province within the Canadian Confederation. Some people felt that Quebec was culturally and linguistically different enough from the rest of Canada to not be Canadian anymore. Nowadays, the idea of Quebec separation is a joke to anyone with a brain. In my opinion, Francophone Canadians are not much different at all from Anglophone Canadians, especially when regarded from an Indigenous perspective. But at the time, the Meech Lake Accord proposals were made so that the Canadian Constitution could be amended. Up until 1982, the Canadian Constitution was built upon the British North America Act of 1867. The provinces of Canada wanted to update the Constitution. In 1982, the Canada Act was signed by every province except Quebec. Quebec did not sign on to the Canada Act in 1982 because it was felt that the Act failed to provide for increased autonomy of that province. For the next several years, the provinces and the federal government would play politics under the new Constitution. Quebec demanded to be recognized as distinct from the rest of Canada and also demanded to be afforded the political power to support the claim. At the same time, interestingly, arguments against providing Aboriginal people with the same demands were also given at the negotiating table. In 1987, the leaders of Canada and the provinces met to hammer out the details and recognition of provincial powers. It should be noted here that leaders of First Nations were not at these negotiations. One of the amendments slated to be made to the Canadian Constitution was the recognition of Quebec as a so-called distinct society within Canada. From my perspective, the only difference between Anglophone Canadians and Francophone Canadians is where they place syllabic emphasis linguistically. Culturally, both Anglophones and Francophones stem from Northern European constitutional monarchies. There is very little difference between Quebec and the rest of Canada. This is why what Elijah Harper did was so emblematic and powerful. So, what did he do? To put it simply, he stood up for Aboriginal rights in Canada. He supported Aboriginal rights by saying no to the constitutional amendments suggested during the Meech Lake meetings. Some of the amendments sought to limit federal spending power within the provinces. This is important because under Canadian law, Aboriginal people are wards of the state. First Nations are under so-called protection of the Crown, as was stipulated in the treaties. This becomes a problem for provinces because Canada is rich with natural resources. Unfortunately, Canada also has an Indian problem. The problem is that there are Indians living on the lands that are rich with natural resources. That's why native people were moved from location to location. It was to get at the natural resources beneath their feet.
Canada's natural resources are in or on Aboriginal lands that are outlined in numerous treaties. This is why we repeatedly say, honour the treaties. Many of the treaties describe land and resource sharing between peoples for as long as the grass grows and the rivers flow. This was supposed to mean forever. In order to share resources forever, the resources would have to be utilized conservatively. You would think that political conservatives would agree to such arguments, but the opposite is actually true. To become economically wealthy in the Western imperial sense, natural resources have to be mined, milled, smelted, and transformed into myriad wants and needs of people who don't live in the geographic region from whence the resources were wrought. To be wealthy in the Anishinaabe sense is to share what you have with those who need it. Although these worldviews may seem incompatible, I do believe there is a place for overlap. But some overlap does not indicate sameness. I argue that Anishinaabe culture is much more separate and distinct from the colonial cultures of the Anglo and Francophones than they are from each other. And indeed, it is this very argument that Elijah Harper stood up for. He held up an eagle feather and said no. He said no to being left out of the cultural fabric of Canada. Can it not be argued that Aboriginal cultures are also separate and distinct from the Anglophone and Francophone cultures? Why then should Aboriginal voices be left out, once again, from nation-building decision-making? To ignore Aboriginal people's claims to sovereignty is colonialism. By holding up the eagle feather, Elijah Harper was making his voice and the voices of Aboriginal people be heard. The stage was set two years ago in Saskatoon. Elijah Harper and former FSIN chief Guy Longchild. The agenda quickly went from leadership to Harper's role in the Meech Lake Accord. And he did a remarkable job. And Harper was born on Red Sucker First Nation and was first elected to the Manitoba Legislature in 1981 and served as an MP. He will best be remembered for delaying debate during the Meech Lake vote in 1990, which ultimately helped quash the accord. In a now famous stance, Harper held up an eagle feather and said no. Me to say no took me 10 days. So. Harper felt the deal did not address Aboriginal rights. Great day for Canada, indeed for Aboriginal people in this country. Uh, when problems arise in leadership and you have to make those tough decisions, uh, he stood and made those tough decisions on behalf of First Nations people. He'd always say, you know, I'm the MLA. I'm the most loved Aboriginal. And indeed he was. Not for only his stand on Meech Lake, but how he carried himself with honour and dignity and respect and kindness and compassion. In his later years, Harper became a consultant helping Aboriginal Canadians reach their full potential. I believe that Aboriginal peoples now have a greater pride and confidence in their abilities. Chief Elijah Harper, I think, changed the landscape of Canada for generations to come. Elijah Harper passed away from a heart attack due to diabetes complication, but not before fulfilling a lifelong goal. I'll probably be fighting for Aboriginal rights until my last breath. Harper was memorialized at the Manitoba Legislature Alina Perot, CTV News, Regina. 
I mentioned earlier that Elijah Harper was from Treaty Number no. 5. What is Treaty Number no. 5? This numbered treaty was a large treaty that encompassed many First Nations in what is now Manitoba in Canada. Treaty Number no. 5 was first signed at Barron's River in 1875. Since then, there have been multiple adhesions to Treaty Number no. 5. Adhesions to treaties means that more First Nations were enveloped into the Canadian fold. The First Nation that Elijah Harper was from signed on to Treaty No. 5 in the year 1909. Baby Elijah was born 40 years after that adhesion signing. He was born in a log cabin 700 kilometers northeast of Winnipeg. Elijah went to multiple residential schools. He also went on to graduate from university. With his education and his experience, he focused on helping his people politically. By the 1980s, he was working in mainstream Canadian politics, but still pushing for Aboriginal rights. Around that same time, in the early 1980s, Canada itself was still forging an identity. In Canada, Aboriginal people have had for many decades been suppressed by the colonial state economically. This is why Canadians are healthy and wealthy, but Aboriginal people are poor and sick. Elijah Harper wanted to put a stop to the injustices heaped onto the Aboriginal people of Canada. What happens in Canada is that politicians habitually put aside the fact that Canada is built upon Aboriginal land and is legally bound by the treaties signed to adhere to fiduciary responsibilities. This is a fancy way of saying that Canada is past due on paying rent to the Aboriginal title holders of what is now known as Canada. Of course, this fiscal arrangement is often disputed. So what does Treaty No. 5 actually say? After meetings that occurred at Norway House and Barron's River in 1875, the British treaty makers and the local Indians agreed to the following terms. Quote, and whereas the said Indians have been notified and informed by Her Majesty's said commissioners that it is the desire of Her Majesty to open up for settlement, immigration, and such other purposes as to Her Majesty may seem meet, a tract of country bounded and described as hereinafter mentioned, and to obtain the consent thereto of her Indian subjects inhabiting the said tract, and to make a treaty and arrange with them so that there may be peace and goodwill between them and Her Majesty, and that they may know and be assured of what allowance they are to count upon and receive from Her Majesty's bounty and benevolence. End quote. In other words, Treaty Number no. 5 is a peace treaty between the indigenous people and the incoming settlers. It was first signed almost 150 years ago. The people of that region agreed to choose chiefs and councillors to represent them. In the Barrens River region, Nawakizik Kweyash was chosen as their first official chief. For the Norway House region, David Rundle was chosen as their first official chief. The difference in their names shows the impact of the English language on Anishinaabe people due to the long period of contact between Anishinaabe and European people at Norway House up to 1875. As Canada grew, 
the deeper into the boreal forest did the treaty commissioners go. This is why there were much later signatories, that is, adhesions, to most of the so-called numbered treaties. Treaty number five has much of the same language as the earlier treaties, but it's not quite the same wording as later treaties. For instance, in Treaty Number 5, Indians get $5 per year from the Crown for being good Indians, whereas in Treaty Number 9, Indians get $4 per year for being good Indians. I guess over the course of a few decades, the Anishinaabe people east of the artificially created colonial boundary weren't as good, so to speak, as the Anishinaabe people west of the artificial colonial boundary. Either that, or Canada was steadily trying to squeeze more out of its Indian allies. Nevertheless, Treaty No. 5 does state the following, quote, And further, Her Majesty agrees to maintain schools for instruction in such reserves hereby made as to her government of the Dominion of Canada may seem advisable whenever the Indians of the reserve shall desire it, end quote. Many Indian reservations in Canada desire Canada to build and maintain schools for her indigenous children. In fact, we demand it. Quebec began as a province of Canada in 1840. As I have already mentioned, in Quebec, there had been clamorings of independence and separating from Canada in the 1970s and 80s. It's a political theme that resurfaces from time to time. It isn't enough for some Francophones to have their own province, apparently. Even more recently, Quebec had language police who were formed to crack down on shopkeepers who don't speak enough of the proper Québécois Français. It should be recognized that Canada is comprised of many nations, not just Anglophones and Francophones. Many First Nations signed treaties with Canada. There are a few, however, who have still not signed treaties with Canada. These are unsurrendered regions. Elijah Harper forced politicians and Canadians to take a better look at what the treaties actually say. He did that for all of us. That's all for today's episode. Stay tuned for more episodes in the future. I'm Chris Waite, and this has been the Anishinaabe History Podcast.